You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Leiter. It's always game day in Cleveland. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We enjoy talking to you. Thanks for listening to us. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. All right, a little bit of limbo here for the Browns as we get ready for training camp coming up here in just a few weeks. But there still is, and there will always be uh, news about what's going on with the Browns quarterback situation. Uh, Let's start with Deshaun Watson. And uh, last week when we last checked in, his hearings were still going on. Uh, Daryl, what's the latest on anything that we heard from that? And, I, I mean, we know one source that's been spitting out information about what they believe happened uh, inside the hearings. What, what are you hearing and what do you think? Well, obviously they're all done now, and uh, it is up to each side to submit their five-page brief to Sue Robinson, uh, the, the post-hearing brief. Those must be submitted by next week. That's not to say they can't be submitted sooner, but – uh, next week will be the deadline for those to be submitted to her. And then I would anticipate shortly after she receives those briefs and goes through them and, and you know, those type of things, we, sh- we should have a decision here before training camp as to whether or not uh, Deshaun Watson is going to be able to play football and if there is any discipline as a result of a violation of the conduct policy we should know uh, how long he will be uh, not permitted uh, to take the field. So uh, it's it's going to, I think, a little bit of a slow-moving process right now. Got to wait for uh, now that the hearings have been done. Both sides had their opportunity to make their case, make their argument for and against the suspension for Deshaun Watson. Uh, they'll, again, submit their, their legal briefs to her. She will review those. And then I anticipate uh, within a couple of days after uh, her completing the review of those briefs, uh, we should have something from her uh, in regards to a decision. 
How much pressure is there on the league to accept Judge Robinson's decision? So, as, as you know, we've talked about this endlessly, that Judge Robinson makes a recommendation or it, it, it becomes a recommendation if the league decides they don't want to enforce the penalty that she handed down. And we also know that along the way from uh, from looking at the CBA that if she says there is no penalty – then there is no recourse for either side to uh, be able to appeal the process to the commissioner. So, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, look, I, I mean, she's, I, I think, in a tough spot. I also feel like it helps that she is, she really is impartial. Um, she is not employed only by the National Football League or just by the NFLPA. She's been jointly uh, appointed. Um, uh, the fact that she's a former federal judge, she certainly knows how to weigh evidence. She certainly knows how to weigh testimony. She knows how to weigh uh, deposition evidence as well. Uh, she knows uh, hearsay evidence. I, I think that that's one of the big arguments from a defense standpoint of Deshaun Watson. Um, you, you hear a lot about hearsay uh, in this too. So she understands uh, the the legal the ins and outs of things. And I, I look, I think that that um, is somewhat comforting as far as the outside view of the process, right? That she is going to render an impartial ruling. And, uh, you know, if she, I, I, and I also think it makes it easier for the NFL to accept what she comes up with. Okay, if if she right. says no suspension, obviously the league was looking for indefinite with a minimum of a year. They're not going to be happy with that. But I think it, it, they obviously have to accept it because it's in the in the CBA. If she says he doesn't violate the policy, that's the end of the the discussion, and then everybody moves on with their lives. Um, but if she comes up with a set number of games, um, you know they the league can appeal or Deshaun's people. And the NFLPA can appeal that. And then it goes to the commissioner. And I don't think anybody wants it going to the commissioner, which is, I think, part of the reason why this process was kind of put in place. So I, from, the, from a confidence in the process standpoint, um, I, I've said it before. I hate to sound like a broken record, but I really do like this new process of having someone like Sue Robinson with her legal expertise and, and her resume, her background, I, I think it makes it very, very easy to sell this new process, if you will, and easy to accept whatever ruling she does make. Just looking at the story from the big picture, Daryl, it, 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 we have taken – a uh, kind of a roller coaster ride here over the last couple of weeks. After it kind of settled in that there were 24 uh, lawsuits and then 20 were settled, that, you know, one day you hear he is going to be, you know, the league is pushing hard for him to be suspended indefinitely without pay. And then middle of the week last week, you start hearing, well, maybe four to six games. How are we on such a gigantic spectrum on what the outcome of this might be? Well, I think part of it is because of the – uh, significantly different uh, points of view and desire for outcome, right? 
The NFLPA right. and Deshaun Watson, they are pushing for no discipline, no suspension, right? And then on the other side, you have the National Football League who is pushing for an indefinite ban. Come talk to us in 2023, and you're not playing in 2022. So I, that's why I think that there's such a, a, a wide difference of opinion on how this thing's going to play out because there is a Grand Canyon-sized chasm between what each side is looking for. The Associated Press published a story uh, last week, which we put on the station website, in which someone from Watson's team uh, basically said something to the effect of, our goal is just to get him on the field in 2022 uh, in, in some way, shape, or form. And and I, and I've said it. Look, if he gets to play football this year, that's a win for Deshaun Watson's camp. And I, quite honestly... I would take whatever Sue Robinson hands down because there is the risk that the commissioner, if you appeal, he just drops the hammer and makes it even worse. So if it's X number of games, I think that Watson's camp should take that and run with it and, and be done with it. Now, I that's my view. That's my opinion. I want to stress to our audience that Deshaun Watson has the right to appeal through the NFLPA, any and all discipline uh, that is handed down against him. But my view of the situation is that if it's X number of games and he is allowed to play the back half of the season, he should accept whatever discipline does get handed down in that regard because that would meet that goal of whoever said that to the Associated Press about our goals to get him on the football field in 2022. So there were a couple of big stories. One, we had Amy Dash on Friday um, on Baskin and Phelps, who is our legal inside uh, expert for Odyssey, who is our parent company. Um, and she gave us some great information. And then there, there's another side of the story that kind of uh, picked up a little bit, too, again, with Mike Florio. And Mike Florio's – it is interesting how Mike Florio's voice is, is loud in this case, especially because he's just dropping information. I think that no one else is, whether – you know, it, it, whether you want to think it's commentary, you want to think it's news, that's uh, to the eye of the beholder of whoever's reading it. Um, but uh, let's start with uh, with Amy Dasher for a second. Again, Odyssey legal expert and, and insider on all this stuff. And, and so when we were talking to Amy the other day, um, there were a number of things that, that came up. And, and, and one was what I'm talking about right now, about Mike Florio and what Mike Florio has been and is giving out for information. I thought Mike had a really interesting point again uh, as he was trying to uh, size up the entire case um, over the weekend. Uh, well, actually, yesterday is when it, when it first hit, which was Monday on July 4th. Um, and he had talked about, you know, the way the NFL is going at it, that they weren't really pressing um, what could be, you know, gigantic um, suspension talk that's going on here that they weren't um, the, the line was and I'll read it straight from his from his piece absent evidence of actual sexual assault and the league's case rests on two catch-all provisions that at, at the bottom of a uh, list of bullet point in the policy is that you know when you look at the CBA or you look at the conduct policy sorry if this isn't coming out real clear but when you look at the at the policy of of personal conduct it says that conduct possesses a genuine danger and safety and well-being of another person which would be 
against the personal conduct. And then the other part of it is conduct that undermines or puts at risk the integrity of the NFL, NFL clubs, or NFL personnel. Again, you can read all this. This is in the NFL personal conduct policy. But, he, you know, he said how the league was going after things, or not going after or trying to prosecute um, Watson in this situation to prove that there needs to be some sort of suspension, you know, that the the – the act of violence does not come into play here. And so I just think it's, it's, it's interesting how Florio lays this thing out about how it seems like the NFL backed off a little bit from what they might have been trying to do to get, a, to get that full-year suspension, to get the unpaid full-year suspension, if you read Florio's piece on that. And then when we had Dash on, she was like, hey, when you're listening to Florio, and here's the cut we're going to run from Dash, when you're listening to Florio, keep this in mind. I, I think this is all speculation, to be honest with you. You know, what happens a lot of times is that the sources are on one side of the fence. So they're pushing a narrative that's favorable to them. Like, for example, if I would talk to Tony Busby, he would tell me all the stuff that supports his client's cases. Then I talk to Rusty Harden, I'm hearing the total opposite. So the truth always lies somewhere in the middle. Right. And I think if you're going to assume any one of the extremes, you're probably going to be wrong. Now, I've been shocked before over the years covering things like with with the Zeke Elliott outcome um, and some other some other things that really surprised me. But I, I don't see a scenario, at least for now, where there is no discipline. I just don't see that happening because of the number of people, um, you know, yeah. I think I think it's very extreme to say something like that. So, listen, I think that Sue Robinson will be fair. I absolutely think that she will do this on a case-by-case basis. But I think there will probably be a couple of cases, maybe not a lot, but a few, where there is evidence to suggest that something more likely than not happened in the massage room. And, and we know that it did because, you know, Watson's admitted that there was consensual stuff that had happened uh, post that, and the New York Times article also had the you know the woman who who it was not a part of a, any of the legal procedures here, and that she just didn't you know she just she said she was friends with Deshaun, but uh, there's another piece to the Florio story too, Daryl, that I, I think is interesting. And just kind of tag out what what Amy said in his piece. He said there's a question of whether the NFL may have deliberately scaled back the effort to create the impression that Watson's behavior extended so broadly in the light of the lawsuit filed on uh, last week. I'm just trying to keep timing right for us well, as if you're listening to this, against the Texans for allegedly knowing about Watson's alleged habit and taking no steps to protect the women who eventually found out during the massages that he would try to make it something else. Again, that is straight from Mike Florio's piece. I, and I brought this up last week when we were talking, Daryl, that I think the NFL's in a really weird spot here right now because the more they sit on Deshaun and try to make the the suspension longer, do they not make the Houston Texans look worse if they were facilitating this? So if it can be proved in the civil court that the Texans were facilitating or helping out Deshaun Watson in trying to arrange uh, these massages and knowingly knew that maybe – Deshaun, uh, Deshaun's definition of a massage might be different than, than the common definition. 
you know, could the Texans be held liable in this thing? And and so now, if the league says the hammer, then if you're the attorney for the plaintiffs in this case, and you're trying to to prove that something was wrong with the Houston Texans, and they do, the Texans are going to get shattered. That's what I would think. So that you know what I'm saying? Like the NFL's in an unbelievably crazy spot here because the harder they fall on Watson, the harder it may fall on the Texans. Well, uh, I, I do think that whatever uh, ruling uh, comes from Sue Robinson, as far as discipline goes, it will impact the legal proceedings, whether it's the four remaining wa- lawsuits against Deshaun Watson or the suit that was filed uh, against the Houston Texans. Um, if, if uh, again, we're just having a discussion here, but if Sue right. Robinson recommends a severe punishment, and I would define that as more than 10 games, right? Then right. the uh, plaintiffs, uh, Tony Busby, uh, and his, uh, his legal team will likely argue in court, see, even the NFL says that Deshaun Watson is guilty of uh, wrongdoing. And this is why right. we are here. We are in this courtroom right now seeking damages on behalf uh, of our clients. Uh, if the league um, comes out, and, or I should say if Sue Robinson does not discipline Watson and says no, uh, while the allegations against him might be abhorrent or gross or whatever adjective you would like to dis- use to describe them, he did not, by the letter of the law and the collective bargaining agreement, violate the league's conduct policy, and therefore I am recommending no discipline. This, uh, this case has been dismissed. And uh, everybody uh, go on their way. That then becomes fuel for Rusty Harden's defense of Deshaun Watson in court to say, hey, even the NFL said that my client was not guilty uh, uh, of uh, wrongdoing that would lead to discipline um, by his employer. So, uh, yeah, I do think that that's what makes this such a difficult situation is that Whatever the outcome of this goes from a disciplinary standpoint, one side or the other will likely use that in a court of law next year as these civil cases that do make it to a courtroom play out. There's one other cut I want to play here too from Amy when she was with us on, on Friday, and that has to do with contradicting evidence and trying to understand how that plays in this case. So that was cut three from Amy Dash. But the NFL would say that this determination of a year is based on a thorough investigation by private investigators, by people who have experience with prosecutions in this area, in the criminal justice system, with law backgrounds, who looked at all of the evidence. You know, they, they watched the police interviews with the women that filed criminal complaints. They looked through all of the civil allegations. They interviewed the women. They interviewed Deshaun Watson. And based on all this evidence, they filtered out, okay, these are the couple of cases where we feel the allegations are serious enough, there's evidence to support them, and most importantly, there's not contradictory evidence that would cast doubt on the accusers. And I think that's key here because we've heard throughout this process, because it's been so public, there's, it's really been a war between Harden and Busby, and it's been played out in the media, so we've gotten to hear about some of the evidence, and we've heard that in some of the cases, You know, the women are accused of saying that Watson may have sexually harassed or assaulted them. 
And then the next day or a couple days later or a week later, sending him a text, hey, can I massage you again? Hey, that was a great one. Can we hang out again? Whatever it may be. So when you have contradictory evidence like that, then, and it's a he said, she said to begin with, so it's all circumstantial anyway, you know, it would be a hard, you'd have a hard time disciplining in that circumstance because it's not fair. But if you have evidence, and also let's not forget depositions from Deshaun Watson that cast doubt on what he's saying, and the evidence goes in favor of the woman, well, then it, it might be unfair to just completely discredit that and not discipline at all. So that's why it has to be decided on a case-by-case basis, and they would tell you we're, we're making this recommendation based on the evidence, six games for three cases. That's a year already. You know, that's only three cases with a minimum of six. You're talking about a full year. So, so that's like actually discipline in a minority of the cases rather than a majority of the cases. And, Daryl, I think that's one of the reasons why we are where we are right now as far as, you know, on the outside looking in, trying to figure out how long the suspension is going to be. Because you, you could look at it a million different ways, and you may think he's not getting a very long suspension one day, and the next day you're like, oh, he's done for a year with no pay. I, I, I think that's why we're all on the roller coaster, a lot of what Amy said there. Yeah, 100%, because, again, the the opposing views uh, of this situation are just so dynamic um, and different. Um, and, yeah, Ed, uh, I, I thought she raised a, a, a pretty important point about how the NFL presented things to Sue Robinson to make sure that their argument was as airtight as possible. And so to do that, they felt focusing on five specific allegations, or I I should say allegations from five different women, right? Right, interviewing five of the women, yeah. Right, by narrowing that scope, because remember, one allegation, or, or I should say one instance of wrongdoing, if Deshaun Watson, in fact, did what he's accused of, and we don't know, again, these are allegations that have been made in civil court, and these are allegations that the NFL has investigated to see if he, uh, you know, violated the conduct policy. So again, you know, want to stress that. But if he is guilty of wrongdoing, right, uh, then uh, one is too many. Uh, that's one. You know, just 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 one instance of wrongdoing is too many. Uh, but um, by narrowing the scope, you eliminate as she was talking about that contradictory evidence. And so they went with, um, and you'll see prosecutors do this too in, in cases where there are, uh, you know, multiple victims, they will, they will narrow their scope of the allegations to ensure that they get the conviction of the person that's accused, right? That they have taken to court accused of a crime and are prosecuting for said crime. You'll see prosecutors, and then on the flip side too, you'll see prosecutors also widen the scope of the allegations and charges against somebody in an effort to get get a more severe punishment for that crime too. So I think the approach by the NFL was smart. They picked what they felt were the five most compelling women to make allegations uh, against Deshaun Watson to present those. And then kind of use the remaining lawsuits as to establish an alleged pattern of behavior. So um, yeah, and that, and you know, 
Amy being a lawyer, you know, Mike Florio, he, you know, he's a lawyer. So uh, these are people who are experts in this field. I'm not a lawyer. I didn't go to law school. I didn't realize I needed to go to law school just to cover uh, the Cleveland Browns way, in the though. National Football League. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that, that's, that's why we listen to these people, because they understand the law, the legal process, proceedings, procedures, and things like that. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that's why that, that's a big reason why as they provide information and analysis and that, you know, the uh, opinions from day to day can change. He's Darrell Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. It's always game day in Cleveland. We love having you on board. And if you want to, subscribe. We'd love to have you as a subscriber as well. And if you want to be a part of the show in an upcoming uh, podcast where we'll read your your tweets and your emails and everything else, uh, hit us up on Twitter at GameDayCLE, at GameDayCLE. When we come back, we talked about one quarterback uh, who Browns fans, I think, are hoping will be the quarterback this season. And then there's the quarterback who was the quarterback who many think is on his way out the door, except the next person we're going to hear from. What am I talking about? Hang on. It's always game day in Cleveland. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast today's episode is sponsored by nerd wallet smart money podcast ready to expand your financial game nerd wallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments finding your next credit card and setting a budget that works for you score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024 follow nerd wallet smart money podcast on your favorite podcast app future you will thank you it's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Well, guess what's rearing its ugly head again, Daryl? You want to guess? Um, more quarterback talk? More quarterback talk. But in yes. particular, the visions and thoughts that Baker Mayfield will be the quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. As of today. As Hang on. Let me get it. Let me take a drink. Every time okay, someone on. says Baker Mayfield should be is, is or should be the quarterback of the Browns this year, I'm going to take a drink. Non-alcoholic beverage, just for legal purposes. Oh, I was going to say, Baker has become the beer pong of of sports (laughs) conversations outside. He really has. Outside of Deshaun Watson. 
Uh, back in the day, it was quarters, but that's another story for a lot of old people out there. So, uh, Daryl, uh, let, let me sad start. thing I is, I know exactly this. what you're talking about. So, does that make oh, me old? <laughs> it is funny over the Fourth of July weekend to be talking to people about uh, drinking games you may have played some twenty some <laughs> years ago, and, and laughing about how funny they were, where you had to repeat things. Then, uh, uh, never mind. Uh, one of those list games. So, uh, listen to this, okay, Mike Florio. On NBC Sports, talking about Baker Mayfield being at Browns camp. If they don't cut him or trade him before training camp opens, I expect him to be there with proverbial bells on, insisting to be involved in everything. So you already got some distractions, Browns. You're going to have another one. Baker Mayfield, I think, is going to be there, and he is not going to play along. He is not going to sit at home. He wants this to be done, and he has every right to want it to be done. Is that Baker going to camp because he's trying to force the Browns' hand, or is that Baker going to camp because he doesn't have anywhere else to go? Help me. What, what do you think? I think both, and also because he's required to be there if he's on the roster, right? And also, and also too, remember, the Browns can't say you have to stay away. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, they can do no, what they did they, in, in minicamp yeah. and mutually just say, hey, he's, he's excused, but yeah – I honestly don't believe we're going to get that far down the train tracks here. I believe that Baker Mayfield will be traded before training camp uh, after the discipline for Deshaun Watson, assuming, keyword assuming, that there is any, is announced. So I don't think we're going to get to that point. But to Florio's point, it's a good one. Baker has every right to be there. Baker probably should be there, and if that, if anything, to force the Browns' hand from going through that uncomfortable process of having the exiled <laughs> return. So, Daryl, let me tell you a little story here, because this is what the whole Baker Mayfield situation reminded me of. So I worked for a TV station at one point that had other companies within the city, and sometimes you would have somebody who was under contract who they basically didn't want them to do what they were doing, but they had to sit out their contract because they were getting paid. So they would miraculously have an office somewhere else in town, no longer in the building that you were used to seeing them in, and then the rest of the staff would get a note and go, um, we just want to let you know that blank employee has been uh, moved over to the blank building, and uh, they're, they're still with us, but uh, we've changed their role in the company. Okay, well, that's where Baker is right now, man. They've got him in the exiled office of somebody who's sitting there with a contract that they no longer want to use their services. That That's just how this whole thing feels. And right. it's just like, I, I, why are we wasting our time with this? Look, if the Browns don't want him to be the quarterback this year, just do what you did at rookie minicamp where it was mandatory. Or not rookie, just minicamp that was mandatory. Just do that again. Yeah, I just I, – I, I don't see that. Uh, happening. Um, I think that if he is still on the roster, he will report to Berea. That's not to say that they're going to give him any reps in practice, or I should say any meaningful team uh, reps, you know, the 11 on 11 stuff, uh, because the, he's, he's not in the plants. Uh, they, they, they have moved on, um, but they, they got to get him moved. We all know that. Uh, we've all been uh, waiting for months and months and months uh, for the for this to happen. And, and again, I'm a firm believer that it's not going to get to that point. 
I think that if Deshaun Watson is disciplined, the Browns will move quickly to move Baker Mayfield, if for any reason, to help deflect a little from the uh, Deshaun Watson uh, situation, whatever that ends up uh, being. But uh, yeah, I, it, it would be nice if they uh, go ahead and trade him. But yeah, I, if I am Baker Mayfield and I'm still on the roster, I 100% show up to Berea and make things, not, not, not be, I want to say this correctly, not be a pain in the backside, but just his presence will make things uncomfortable. And if I'm Baker, I'm showing up to make it as uncomfortable as possible for Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry and everybody else in the organization that one that, that has basically shown him the door. And again, he's not coming in to cause problems, but you know, it's like, it's just like you were telling that story, right? You yeah. see that guy that's been that person yeah. that's been exiled from the company. It's, it becomes very uncomfortable if you bump into him because you know, they're, they're out the door. Right. And you're kind of like, yeah, right. I, I, I don't know how to interact with this person. So that that's what I mean about, you know, making things uncomfortable for uh, the Browns. And by doing so, it adds a little motivation uh, to speed this thing along. But I, I I do believe that Baker will be at training camp with somebody else. It, I, it's not that I've been told anything. Oh, with another team. Okay. Yeah, that's that's just my gut feeling right now is that when training camp, camp comes at the end of the month, Baker Mayfield will be on another team. All right, let me give you one more cut from Flores here, saying that uh, if the Watson case turns into a full-year suspension – here is the outcome according to Florio. If Watson's not going to be on the team this year, if he ends up being suspended the whole season, it's in the best interest of the team and Baker Mayfield for Mayfield to be the quarterback of the Browns in 2022. It's in his best interest. It's in the team's best interest. But that is not happening. And one way to make it happen, if the Browns really want to try to mend fences, you offer him some more money and you offer not to tag him next year if you would offer him a few extra million and say you're our guy this year we don't have the Sean Watson let's get along for a year let's help each other that would be the only way even then I don't think Baker Mayfield is gonna do that he's ready to move on and start his career anew all right so there's a uh, I don't know just like at the end of what Baker Mayfield said at his camp in Austin that the, there seems to be a tiny uh, tiny little uh, beam of light that could wiggle one way that it, that we that all of a sudden Deshaun's not playing and all of a sudden Baker's your your quarterback for the next year. I just I don't. Baker see. has to be diplomatic. He see. can't say anything that's going to paint himself into a corner or in a negative light. He can't take swipes at the Browns because the next team that might be interested in him is watching his every move and how he's handling this situation. So he has to handle it professionally and he's doing and from my standpoint I think Baker's doing a good job of handling this uh professionally um I 150 percent disagree with Mike Florio the Cleveland Browns don't want to pay Baker Mayfield 18.858 million to be their starting quarterback now they sure the hell aren't going to dip deeper into the checkbook to pay him even more money it ain't happening yeah, I think, but Florio was more presenting that as a yeah, maybe it's, here's it, one yeah, way. May, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. It, it's not happening. 
it, it's it's just it's not happening. The Browns do not want Baker Mayfield to be their quarterback. Baker Mayfield does not want to be the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. It's that th- that's why this conversation doesn't do anything for me because it just it's not happening. Period. We talked about it on the last podcast. I was pretty clear uh, about it. My position has not changed. It's not happening. It's it's great summertime filler before training camp, but in reality, it's not happening. And um and and the Browns are not going to dip deeper into the checkbook to give him more money to to make him happy and be willing to come uh, and play. Because if Baker Mayfield was Plan B or going to be a Plan B. They would not have brought in Jacoby Brissett, and well, maybe they brought, would still bring in Josh Dobbs or you know sign, sign a kid off the street as an undrafted uh, free agent to be another arm or something like that. But if he was really Plan B, they would not have rebuilt the entire quarterback room. Baker Mayfield is in Plan I, Z at this point, so yeah, it's just it's uh, it's not happening. Uh, and then I'm looking for confirmation here because that's what we do. I'm just that's I think all fans are looking for confirmation. <laughs> is my approach? I just gave you my, your confirmation. It uh, no. is not happening. Yeah, I, no, I'm giving you a different a different scenario. Uh, th- again, this is so I can have sanity. Okay, <laughs> the sanity for me is. I to think say, my scenario gave people sanity. I think you're about to drive people back. Well, that, go no, ahead. no, not at all, and not at all. I think you. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to agree with me, but I'm looking for confirmation. You know, you know what they say about assume, but go ahead. Well, it's me and Stuart Smiley looking in the mirror, going, "I'm good enough, I'm strong enough, <laughs> and gosh darn it, people like me." Um, it, it's just the whole notion of it, don't get your hopes up for anything and assume Jacoby Brissett is going to be your starting quarterback for game one and perhaps the entire season. That that's my that's how I'm looking at this because I think I don't want to be uh, emotional about the fact uh, of how long Deshaun Watson's suspension could be, and so now I'm just looking at it saying, well, okay, I, I'm just assuming Jacoby Brissett is our quarterback, quarterback day one, and quarterback until they tell me he's not. Okay, that that's your theory. Okay, that's how I'm living my life. Okay, are you living life the same way? No. Okay, what are you? How are you living life? Uh, I'm living life that Baker ain't gonna be here. He ain't playing here again. And yeah, no, I'm Jacoby yeah, Brissett's your week about, one starter. Yeah, Wait, who's your week one starter? Jacoby Brissett. Okay, so again, my point: this has nothing to do with Baker. This has everything to do with Jacoby Brissett. That Jacoby Brissett is my starting quarterback week one, and will be my starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns until someone tells me something else. That's how I can live in, in a sane world. You cope how you need to cope. Okay. How are you approaching it? Do you understand? I mean, do you look at it the same way? Or are you assuming that we're going to see Watson sooner rather than later? Uh, I assume nothing. Okay. Come on, Schultz. I I assume absolutely nothing. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It wouldn't shock me if he doesn't get suspended. It wouldn't shock me if he got four games, six games, 10 games, 12 games, or the full year. Nothing would shock me. Uh, I am prepared for any and every eventuality. 
All right, I can't live like that. That puts me insane. Um, Daryl, let's talk about the shield here. Uh, we'll bring that up when we come back here in a second. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Thank you for listening. If you like what you're listening to, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to be a part of the show somewhere down the road, hit us up on Twitter at game day CLE. It's always game day in Cleveland. Back after this. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. All right, just kind of wrapping up our conversation here. Um, Daryl, when it comes to the NFL right now, and we're talking about the shield and how dented the shield may already be, and you know we've spent the majority of our time talking about Deshaun Watson and what's going on with that case, and how the the league is worried about their image. But you know this isn't the only thing going on for the NFL right now. You've got the the Brian Flores lawsuit that's going on with what happened in Miami. Dan Snyder is uh, reluctant to talk to Congress. Um, and, and you've had a number of other things going on. I, and I also wonder, let, let me start with this question first. Because we are in Cleveland, how, how we prioritize what's going on with the NFL, do you see that differently the way that, than the national is? Or are there enough national writers writing about Deshaun Watson, writing about Baker Mayfield on a daily or you know, biweekly basis that it keeps this as the number one story in the NFL right now? What 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 is the biggest story in the NFL? And and are and I'm asking you, are we biased? Do you think because we're sitting here in Cleveland, thinking that the Watson case, because our lives, our, our team's life, revolves around that story? No, look, I mean the, the Browns generate the most traffic of any of the NFL teams. Um, so from a national perspective, so no, I I don't think we're biased. But uh, the Deshaun Watson case is, uh, I, I think, the number one story. Uh, the situation in Washington involving uh, Daniel Snyder, uh, I think, is the number two story right now. Um, uh, in some ways, uh, especially with the arguments that the NFLPA uh, and Deshaun's people want to make as far as relating to the conduct policy, those stories are somewhat intertwined. You've got the, you know, you mentioned the Brian Flores suit. You've got the John Gruden lawsuit, too, uh, out there. Um, and uh, how... You know, it, 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 it's funny that the only thing that came out of that Washington football team investigation was John Gruden's emails, which had absolutely nothing to do with why that investigation took place in the first place. So, no, right. I, I, think the, I think the Watson situation is still number one as far as uh, national scope, national attention, uh, generating the most eyeballs, clicks, ears, however you want to, you know, gauge the interest. Um, because that's the number one pressing issue on the field. I, I, you know, that's what fans care about. They care about the on the field product. They're, they're not worried about 
ownership stuff. You know what I'm saying? Or uh, lawsuits involving coaches and teams and, and things like that. They're, they're worried about the players that are going to be on the field. So that's why I think Watson's the number one story because as we have this conversation right now, there is legitimate, uh, I don't want to say concern, that's the wrong way to phrase it, and, and, but uh, there's legitimate question as to Deshaun Watson's availability come week one. And because, and because of his stature within the league as a player, right, he's one of the premier players at his position, led the NFL in passing the last time he played a full season back in 2020. That's why everybody's focused on the outcome uh, of his, uh, his case. Um, so if you're looking at the shield, though, itself, and I'm, like, trying to – it's hard for me to not think of Captain America when we start talking about the shield. But, um, yeah, Steve you know, Rogers ain't to, running through that door for you, Kamish. No, I don't think he is. I, I, but it, it, how much more can the shield be tarnished? I mean, you, we're talking about all these cases, right? And, and is it mythical, this tarnishing the shield thing? I mean, we've well, so I, look, I, I think the shield is Teflon. You know, okay. uh, the NFL is America's new pastime. It's by far the most popular sport. They could play a game at noon on Tuesday. The stadium be, stadium would be full, and millions of eyeballs would be watching the game. Uh, it's it's the league's popularity is unquestioned. And again, you know, talking about fans that um will say, "I'm done," right? Uh, right. we, how many times have we heard that uh, in regards to stuff, right? We, we heard it with the Colin Kaepernick protesting. Well, the ratings have grown since then. Um, yeah, sure. I'm sure that there have been some fans that were turned off and legitimately did stop paying attention to the NFL. But when you look at the ratings, the ratings every year keep going up and up and up and up. And it, it, NFL games usually end up like with the, 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 is like the top five or top ten most watched programs uh, during ratings periods because the league is just that immensely popular so from my perspective um, I'm not saying it's right I'm not saying it's wrong but the NFL the shield as you like to call it it's Teflon right I, I just I don't think there's anything um, that it, it could potentially uh, turn fans away uh, whether it's allegations made against players whether it's allegations made against owners I, you know, it's a 24-7, 365 news cycle. Uh, to the league's credit, they, they have turned into this corporate behemoth with 32 different entities as well that have turned into their own corporate behemoths. So, yeah, I, I just I, – I think that the NFL at this point, it, it's Teflon. That's the only way I can describe it because for every fan – Right, that said that they are done with the Browns over the Deshaun Watson situation, right? That they're just so offended right. and, and so appalled at what Deshaun is accused of and that the Browns would trade for Deshaun and give him all that money. There are thousands of fans ready to buy up those seats that are going to be vacated in the stadium. The Cleveland Browns will have no problems and have no problems selling tickets. For the fans that they lost on the season ticket roll, there were thousands waiting to jump in and and buy tickets. The supply and demand is there. So, um, and and I do think, right, 
I, I think that some of those fans that say that they're done with the Browns, I honestly feel that those fans will be back. I do. I, I, I get the reaction. I understand the reaction. Um, I, I really do. But I do think that, you know, some of the fans that say that they're absolutely done with the Browns over this, I think some of those fans will indeed be back at some point. Yeah, I think it's I, – I, I just think it's part of fandom, right? Yes, it is. It's a fandom. You're, it's it's the, the roller coaster. Yeah. It really yeah. is. It, and, um, and again, I, I understand, uh, you know, it, as someone who looks at situations impartially, I understand both sides. I, I understand the fans that are excited about having Deshaun, uh, a player of Deshaun Watson's capabilities on the field because, quite frankly, that's not something that we've seen in Cleveland in a long, 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 long time, right? Um, yep. And, and, and look, I think it's fair to say the Browns are a desperate team. Desperate teams do desperate things. Uh, you know, Desha- I, I, if it weren't for these allegations, I don't think Deshaun Watson's a Cleveland Brown. If it, if it were not for the video that was published, uh, Kareem Hunt is not a Cleveland Brown. Um, you know, so on one side you say, hey, the front office is opportunistic and taking advantage of situations in order to bring the best football players in. And then there's the moral side that says, well, these are the type of guys they're bringing in with these type of uh, allegations or problems hanging over them. There's that, you know what I'm saying? There's the moral dilemma no, that, that kicks in for fans. So, I, again, I get it. But, but what do fans care most about? They care about winning. What, you know, the, the Cleveland Browns job and Andrew Berry's job is to put the best football players on the field to give them the best chance to win. Now, the flip argument is, well, if they don't behave off the field, they're not eligible to play on the field, right? I, I get it. Right. But, you know, it's – it's um, uh, I had a conversation with a colleague recently in, uh, about this very topic, and, we, we, you know, we were, we were talking about moral standards in, in not just in the NFL but in the workplace. And, and uh, you know, this person said to me, Daryl, the Cleveland Browns don't have the luxury of allowing their moral convictions to get in the way of winning football games because they've been so bad for so long and they got a little taste right in, in 20, in in 2020, we got a little taste of, of the Browns in the playoffs and how close they came to getting back to the AFC championship game. Right. Got a little taste of that. And so we want more as fans. Um, and, and so the, the team clearly is willing to do, uh, whatever it takes. Um, and the, and Andrew Barry has proven that with his roster improvements. Uh, but with that sometimes comes, uh, you know, the, the, the sacrifice of one's principles at times as well. He is Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. We love having you on board today's show produced by Meredith Kane. Thank you so much for being a part of it. It is always game day in Cleveland. Um, we will be back later this week as we drop, I think again on Thursday. So, um, thanks for listening. And if you like what you're listening to, remember to listen and subscribe and just like us, give us a couple stars. Daryl, final thought. Uh, looking forward to uh, summer vacation coming up here. Uh, we got a couple of cool things planned for the pod while uh, I take some time off and you get a little time off too. And then uh, training camp's going to be here before we know it. So um, it, it, it it's like three weeks away. But as I get older, those three weeks uh, tend to disappear in the blink of an eye. So uh, look, looking forward to a little pre-camp break. But uh, the podcast isn't going anywhere. We'll we'll, we'll uh, still be uh, releasing our two episodes a week. And uh, thanks to all those that have submitted feedback. Thanks to those that have, uh, have subscribed. 
We appreciate you. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your family. Uh, we appreciate we appreciate each and every one of you. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. It's always game day in Cleveland. Thanks for listening.